listening to the Up and Under podcast, starting in 3, 2, 1. Yo, what's up, guys? Welcome to the Up and Under podcast. I'm your host, Hani. Join with me, as always, is Zishan. Yo. Alright, man. Continuing on with the final edition of the offseason outlooks, we're going to be basing, breaking down the offseason for the final two teams, the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Detroit Pistons. Now, if you guys haven't already checked it out our previous episodes, definitely check them out. We basically have been recapping the or highlighting the offseason for the eight teams that have been eliminated from from the playoffs or from the NBA restart in Orlando. So if you want if you're definitely interested in that, definitely check those out uh, on all the podcasting platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, basically wherever you can find a podcast. Definitely go check those out. Uh, great episodes, but now we're here at the finale. We're here at the our final uh, episode about about this, and here we decided to go with the bottom of the barrel. Yeah, pretty much the most uh, low key boring teams that were left. Yeah, so I mean, if you if you paid attention to the way we kind of did this, we started with teams a little bit more exciting, and kind of it kind of went until we got to where we are now. But you know why it works. Because the NBA season's back. Exactly. That's why it works. Exactly. So, you know, the topics, the teams kind of got less interesting. Mm-hmm. But... Um, ball's coming back. Yeah, ball's coming back. So now uh, we can, you know, bring some more interesting topics back. You know, talk about yeah. the games and all of that. And, uh, it's, and it's not that these teams aren't interesting. It's just that they are so hard to predict right now. Or so hard to, like, understand. Because they really have no direction at this stage where they are. So predicting a direction is something that, you know, this is heavily speculative and like our opinions could be completely different than somebody else's because this team, these teams can go literally in any direction at this stage. Um, but with that, let's jump right in. Uh, let's start off with the, the Detroit Pistons. Now, the Pistons started the year with, with, with hope. I think is the best thing I can say. Uh, I mean, they were looking to make the playoffs. Did you have them in the playoffs? No, I didn't. I didn't okay, no. Them, so I no, think I, we well, we had them like what tenth or something. Yeah, like tenth or eleventh. I mean, it was somewhere in that kind of realm. Um, but a lot of people expected Detroit to be better than they actually were, considering they had uh, Reggie Jackson, who was seemingly coming, you know, going to be healthy. Blake Griffin was go- was going to be healthy. Um, you know, Derrick Rose, you know, they had some names on the team. They had Marcus Morris at one point. Marcus or Markeith? I think Markeith Morris. Markeith. Marcus was in Marcus was, New York. Yes. So they had Markeith Morris. So they obviously had some, some, some big name players. And obviously with Dwayne Casey in his second year, they're coaching. People really expected the Pistons to at least look like a decent ball, ball club. That didn't end up happening, especially when Blake Griffin... Yeah, it. listen, that was... The big one was pretty much just Blake Griffin. Obviously, if he's in the lineup, him, the tandem of him and Drummond, although it's not always right, the prettiest... Drummond, I forgot about yeah, Drummond. Although it's not always the prettiest, it is a all-star caliber front court. So, yeah. at, at the end of the day, you know, a uh, uh, lineup Blake Griffin... Andre Drummond, D. Rose, like those kinds of players, like they should at least be, you know, hopefully decent. But obviously, when Blake Griffin went down, and and that started out with um last season's playoffs, uh, his hip or whatever it was, uh, that sideline that sidelined him, and it got even worse because you know he tried to play through it in the Milwaukee series, which to be honest, like. I, I love the fact that Blake Griffin's willing to do whatever he can to play, but at the same time, that kind of wasn't a smart move because you're gonna get you're not gonna beat the Milwaukee Bucks. Considering he's an injury prone player to exactly. begin with, yeah. So Blake's injury really just derailed things, and then obviously I think Reggie Jackson wasn't healthy, um, and he kind of just sucks now. And Reggie Jackson <laughs> is not the same guy anymore. Let let let's be real, he's not the same guy he once was. Um, and then eventually they got to the point where. At the trade deadline, they traded away Andre Drummond. Uh, they tr- they let go of uh, Marquise Morris. They traded away Reggie Jackson. Or actually, no, they they bought out Reggie Jackson, and Reggie Jackson ended up signing with the Clippers. So they essentially gutted their team. I mean, if they could have traded Blake Griffin, they probably would have done that too. But the the Pistons are in an interesting place, man. They're in straight up rebuild mode now. Uh, well, that's the ideal course of action they would yeah. take. 
But as you're going to get into later on, they still have some pieces, I think, that they need to deal with. They, yeah, much. they definitely have some issues they need to address. And the, for starting with the first issue is some of the free, the free agents that they have. Now, they have a lot of free agents that I probably wouldn't bring back, but there are a couple who are defi- definitely, like, you should look to sign them. Uh, the first free agent is Brandon Knight. Obviously, I don't think he's coming back. I think he was he was in the Andre Drummond trades mainly to fill salary. So, I think, to be honest, I, I feel bad for him, but I think his career is pretty much done. Yeah, I think it's done, man. Like he, This was the last year of that like, big contract he signed. Uh, Who signed him to that contract? Phoenix, Phoenix. right? Phoenix signed... <laughs> oh, my God. Phoenix. Why, bro? They didn't learn their lesson from the IT situation. Uh, Yeah. No, they, they literally didn't. did their three-point guard thing with Goran, IT, and Eric Bledsoe, and then they signed Brandon Knight. Yeah, I, I don't know how Phoenix just keeps paying these point guards. Uh, but yeah, Brandon Knight is definitely one of those free agents that you, I wouldn't bring him back. Tony Snow has a player option, which he he probably would decline, but I don't know if he's going to get much more money on the open market. It's a $12 million player option. He might pick it up. Well, how old is he? Uh, I think he's what, 20? Tony Snow's 28. I mean, so he does have time to get another contract. Yeah, I think he... and uh, Unless he wants to jump on a contender, which, again, uh, the last contender he was with was with the Bucks. So, I mean, he was with them before they were really a contender, though, I would say. Yeah, so... Or, I, no, I mean, he was he was on their team last year, I think, right? Last year, the year before. Something like yeah. that. Yeah. But recently. he didn't really play for them, I think, That's last year. That's why he was let go. He was kind of, he kind of sucked. He was good for them in the beginning, and then he kind of just sucked. And then this year, he's back being pretty good. Yeah. I, I'm pretty sure like a contender would pick him up, but he obviously wouldn't be getting the money that he's getting now. But it really just depends on him. But I don't see the Pistons keeping him unless he, he decides to stay. The second one, the next one is John Henson. Now, John Henson is... One of those players who was getting really overpaid for what he actually what he actually does, but I still think he's a solid player. I think he definitely can still contribute on this team. But I think if he were to, if the Pistons are going to re-sign him, it has to be for a much lower number than ten million dollars a year. Whoa, he's getting paid ten mil? Roughly, like in the nine nine million. Holy fam! Yeah, for John Henson, man. John Henson. Damn. Yeah. Uh, the next one, next one is Langston Galloway. Now, Langston Galloway has been a name that we brought up in a a few of the, like, pretty much all of these, uh... I mean, he's a good player. He's definitely a good player, and I just feel like he's just kind of been wasting himself in Detroit, just... He's been putting up good numbers, you know, at times, and I think this past year... I mean, would he have put up the numbers that he did if he was on a better team? Who knows? But... I mean, his value, I don't think, would be as high then. We don't know, honestly, but like again, I guess Langston Galloway was at this point where I think put him in a, in a better situation. He might, he might, he might be able to to produce and might be able to contribute in, in a positive way. So definitely, I think the Pistons are going to look to resign him. Uh, but my only concern with that is how much how many minutes is there going to be for between Langston Galloway, Luke Kennard, and then Svi Mikhailuk, who they acquired from the Lakers. Also, Sekou Dumbia does play, like, um... Well, Sekou Dumbia plays, uh... Well, small forward. yeah, small forward. But, again, like, Luke Kennard, like, you were... Like, when we were doing the notes, like, you, you mentioned that, um... He can play small forward, but I don't see that as a, as a viable option. So, Langston Gallo is another one. The, the next guy, this is the guy, you know, Zishan's the guy. Uh, they need to resign him. It's Christian Wood. Probably after Blake went down... He 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 became their best player, um, especially well, especially after Andre Drummond was traded. He was much. he was pre- putting up some good games, and not just you know like empty stats either. Like he was he was he was doing work, man. Like I really like his game. I think especially for the modern game, he really fits well. Uh, you know, he can do both pick and roll, pick and pop, uh, play yeah. some defense. Yeah, so Christian Wood is definitely a guy you want to resign. And then obviously their final notable free agent is Don Maker, who I would he's uh, he's done. I, he is I, a restricted free. He's agent. a restricted free agent, but I would just let it. Like he put him on the qualifying offer, but if he gets a big offer, I'm not matching that. I, I, he's not getting a big offer. Come on, man. Hey, man <laughs> it's not gonna happen. A desperate team might just do it. I don't know. Um. So yeah, those were the notable free agents. Now let's move Side on. Side note: Remember when KG uh said he was gonna be a future MVP? <laughs> KG said Don Maker is going to be a future Remember, MVP. KG says a lot of things. L- l- let's be real. Yes. Kevin Garnett is a, is a big talker. Uh, so, yeah. So, those are the notable free agents. 
Let's jump right into some of their team needs, obviously. And where they are is interesting just because of the fact that there could, there's so many like directions. Like they have definitely a, a lot of holes in the roster, but I think the one agreeable point is they need to resign Christian Wood. Like that's hands down like number they, one priority. That's that's their priority this offseason. You need to resign Christian Wood, and he's he's going to command a bit uh, a decently sized contract. Now, luckily, the Pistons are going to have some money to play with. Like this season, their 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 salary was like looking at 130 million, but then that drops to like 78 million dollars for for next season. Um, so they they definitely have a lot of, and it actually could be lower if Tony Snell declined his player option. So the Pistons have money to play with, so they could throw some money at uh, at potential free agents, but they need to prioritize Christian Wood. The next thing I think they need to do is I think they need to trade Derrick Rose. I like Derrick Rose, and I think Derrick Rose played really well for the Pistons, like obviously being one of their better players this season, but he's just not benefiting your team, and that's signed for, for another $8 million. I well, guess, I mean, they were. I think they were close to the, giving him to LA. Uh, they in, were they were the trade like, deadline. He was in a lot of trade trade rumors, definitely, but at the trade deadline, I think if I'm Detroit, if I can flip Derrick Rose, maybe a, for maybe a couple a, a, a few picks, that's that's a win in my book. A like, pick, maybe like a quality role player. I if think if you can be... get a first rounder for Derrick Rose, bro, that's a win. That's a yeah, win. I don't think that's but gonna happen. I don't think it's gonna happen. Most likely, it's gonna be like two, maybe three seconds. Or like bro, player, three seconds is a stretch. A player too. in two seconds, like, I don't know. I, I would probably like a quality role player. I think just to make the salaries match. That's the problem. Like th- that's why I'm saying three seconds because the second round salary yeah would, would make it work. But either way, I think trading Derrick Rose is something they need to do at this stage. Um, in the in where they are now. Now we're kind of bringing on to roster construction. Now in the in the event that they do trade away Derrick Rose, Tony Snell leaves, Langston Galloway leaves. They write they the main priority after that would be they need a point guard. They need a good young point guard they can build around. Obviously you have the, the shooting guard position pretty set with Lou Kennard and Sfi Mikhailuk. Then you have Seku Dumboya, a future, you know, uh two way two way player. Uh you have Christian Wood. I think they need they need that point guard. And then you have Blake, at least for now. And if he comes back healthy, I mean, he's still not a bad player. I mean at the very least just if overpaid. he's just healthy, at least you have I think at the very least a quality starter. Even oh, yeah. if he's not an all-star caliber player yeah. anymore, you do have at least a good starter, I think. Yeah, but I think they, the, the Pistons definitely need a good, a, a good young point guard. Either, either they can draft one or sign him as a free agent, which, I'll, which we'll get into in, in just a minute. I think there's one obvious name. There is for... one obvious name, so we're going we're gonna to actually get into him a little bit later. Uh, the next thing they definitely need is, is they need more wings who can spread the floor and play defense. Like besides Sekou Demboya, they don't necessarily have a lot of depth at the small forward or like power forward positions, which and bring back Stanley Johnson. <laughs> they could if they really want to. They really could. Uh, but yeah, I mean, they definitely need more wing players. Uh, Two way, preferably, because I think that's just Dwayne Casey style. Like he likes having defensive minded players. Here's the, the thing about the two way players. Ideally, everyone would want two way players. Problem is, most people aren't two way players, which is why they have such high value in today's NBA. That so. is true, but at least in the case of the Pistons, at least they can focus on younger talent that they can develop. If there's one thing about Dwayne Casey that we we both know from, like, from experience, he's good at developing players. Like He's really good at developing younger players. Yeah. Like, he, he did is. a great job with Kyle Lowry. Most of the time, Harden. as long as he doesn't like put them on the bench or something, yeah, most of the time he, like, he's good. If Dwayne Casey believes in you, he will he will develop you. Yeah. Uh, so that's, that's another thing. And then finally, I think the last thing they need to have happen is internal growth. They need... Christian Wood to take that next step, especially if he gets a big contract. Luke Kennard, uh, Sekou Dumboya, you know they want they want these guys to continue to get better and improve. I think the one major roadblock when it comes to Pistons is pretty much just a Blake Griffin contract because yeah. you can't that hinders a lot of what you want to do. Yeah. Uh, for example, like free agency. I mean, they do have some money this year in free agency, but like free agency, um, you know, getting some more assets in there. You know, the the Blake Griffin contract pretty much hinders like, a lot of what you want to do. Ideally, I would have, like, again, I was putting trading Blake, Blake Griffin as a priority this offseason, but it's the just, likelihood of it happening yeah. is very slim. The only thing that the Pistons have to look forward to is Blake Griffin has a player option after this season, but he's probably going to take it. Uh, but he's so, not going to decline it, man. 
It'd be crazy to decline. Was he like forty mil? Like they might be able to talk him out of. I don't know. Maybe situation doesn't go well. Or maybe he gets tired of Detroit. I don't know. There is still a chance he might. He could leave. But yeah, that's not gonna happen. (laughs) Him turning out forty million is tough, and trading away that contract is also tough. But yeah, the the Pistons definitely have a lot of needs to to fill. Uh, And the first place they can start is, is the NBA draft. Now the Pistons are they look most likely to have the fifth overall pick, which means they do have a, a good chance of getting the number one over or be, you know landing in the top three actually weirdly enough because of the, how the way the odds work now um, the Pistons could end up with the top three pick, but I think the first prospect who they should look at at number like if he's available, I doubt it, but if he's available well if Le- they get within the top three, he probably will be yeah of course Lamelo ball. Uh, I think he's consensusly one of the better point guards in this draft. Well, uh, probably the best. Yeah, probably. Uh, uh, I mean, like he's. I mean, we all know about Lavelle Ball. He he's a scoring point guard. He's got great vision. Can shoot the ball really well. I think he's a great developmental piece. Like a, like a great player you can bring in. Especially he's a good. He can bring in some fans, especially in Detroit in a smaller market. Well, that's I think that's that's a good point. I think you brought up about the fans because they've been consistently, pretty much since um their championship years, they've pretty much consistently been one of the lowest attended te- uh, teams. Yo, dirt cheap tickets, yo. Yeah, and there's they still have a low attendance, man. And um, yeah, so definitely if you got a, a, a exciting player in there, hopefully that would grow your business. Um. I mean, and that was the rationale, I think, with trading for Blake Griffin. It was yeah, as it much was. of a business move as it was just a basketball move. Um, unfortunately, Blake Griffin's dunking days are past him. Yeah. So. Um, also, what you have to consider with Lamelo Ball is the baggage of Lavar. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I mean, Lamelo Ball like in Detroit a- would that work? <laughs> I don't know. Okay, so it's definitely like that's that's gonna be playing a factor. Lavar is gonna play a factor in wherever Lamelo goes, but. It's still like there's no denying that Lamelo is still a great, a solid piece to build around, especially for this young Pistons team and what they're trying to do. So Lamelo Ball is definitely one of the prospects I look at. The second one is Killian Hayes, uh, point guard from France. He's he's a, definitely a solid all around prospect. Like I'm not gonna say he's exceptionally good at one thing, but he can definitely pass. His shooting has gotten better. Uh, so playmaking, he's a great playmaker. Can play a some good defense. defensive point guard. Can play some defense, but he still needs to develop. Uh, He's one of those projects, I think, and especially like some of his comparisons. Comparisons, not just because of the country, but play style. I think to Frank Nilakina. Um good yeah. defensive point guards were very much projects need work on offense kind of thing. And that's one thing I kind of noted down is that this actually like he's he's sort of a risk. Like he has the risk because he's an international player. So, like, I couldn't even, like, pull up some of his stats. So, I couldn't really, like, see what his numbers were looking like. I think, where is he right now? In, like, Germany, I, I think? I don't know where he's at. Um, like, he's, um, he's definitely overseas for sure. But, uh, again, like... Yeah, he's I'll, in Germany. He's playing in the Bundesliga. Um, the thing with, the you know, these uh, European leagues is that the youngsters don't really play. Pretty much Luka Doncic was the only exception. And he was like their MVP. He was the MVP at 18 years old, which so, is crazy. And but yeah, but he he's the, he's the exception league. because a lot of these young guys don't play at all internationally. Yeah. So again, it is more and even more of a risk factor because you're not seeing as much a uh, game film of him. Yeah, so that's definitely uh, you know it's definitely a risk, but he's definitely could be a solid prospect. And finally, the last uh, player I would definitely look at. Again, I'm not too sure if he's gonna fall if he's gonna fall to the fifth pick, but he could definitely. Is Obi Toppin? Uh, this guy is a freakishly athletic big. He can score inside and out. He definitely has developed at his, his three point shot a lot more. Um, he still could be better on the defensive end, um, but he's shown. But what he's shown throughout his college career is the ability to improve year after year, and I think that's a great sign, uh, especially him coming into the league. That this guy. Will take his game and continue to to get better, uh, in his weak in, in weak areas. And I think he would be a great fit next to Christian Wood as well, especially if he continues to develop the three point shot. Would be a very athletic front court for sure. Um, you have any more thoughts on on their draft? I mean, nah, not really. 
It's just hopefully with Dwayne Casey there, you can develop these guys into something legit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if they're able to get a top five pick, I think that would be really good but, for them. Like if they could. Considering their when was the last time they had a top five pick? Like Stanley Johnson. Was Stanley Johnson like a top five pick? I think he was like a fifth or something. Something like that. I don't yeah. know, man. Like, but yeah, I'm pretty sure what Stanley Johnson was their last actual like lottery pick. Yeah. Actually, Luke Kennard probably was. Well, Luke Kennard was like the ninth pick or yeah. something like that, right? So, uh, yeah. I mean, I definitely think if the, if the Pistons could draft like their point guard of the future, I would definitely like that. Or would, in that free would, agency, as we're going to talk they about. Or or they can definitely do grab that in free agency. But I think they can either draft, you know, a wing or a big, or their point guard. Moving into free agency finally, which is probably uh, a place where the Pistons have a lot of more room to play with. They definitely have money to spend, and I think the player that we were alluding to earlier as someone who they can throw some money at is Fred Van Vliet. Fred Van Vliet, obviously, as Raptor fans, we know how great he's been. He's definitely a guy who can probably start for any team. Uh, he's definitely a capable starting player. You know, great leader on and off the floor, can can shoot the ball well. He, he's a great finisher. Defense has been a suspect, but he's still. A very, I mean, he is a good defender a, for his for he's like barely six feet, man. Yeah. So obviously, if he gets matched up on bigger, even on bigger players, he has a lot of the Kyle Lowry tendencies exactly, of where yeah. you can't really post him up because he's just like a brick, you know. <laughs> so like he, he you can't really post him up like that either. So for what his height is, I think he's an exceptionally great defender. Not to mention the fact that I think he's like he's been at the top. Of the league for the last couple of years and like deflections and steals yeah, and all that. He's, he's a very pesky player, and I think the mm-hmm. perfect example was in the finals last year. The way he he yeah the way he guarded Steph Curry. Like you can say, oh Steph Curry put up forty, blah blah blah. But he had to he he had to work you like saw crazy. Saw that Boston one, right? Yes, <laughs> that's uh, that's Fred VanVleet running around chasing Steph everywhere, and yeah. Steph moves a lot. Like isn't he doesn't like Steph lead the league? Like, yeah, probably. In, like, I would guess the amount of like bro, the amount of amount of like distance he covers exactly. in the game I'm pretty sure he's like probably probably number one if I had to guess. Bro, like Steph moves a lot, especially off screen bro, dodging picks and stuff. It's not easy going chasing yeah. after Steph. So Fred Van Vliet would definitely be a great a- acquisition for the Pistons. Especially also his familiarity with Dwayne Casey would is definitely a, a plus as well. Especially because of the fact Dwayne Casey was the one who gave him a chance. Exactly. By b- benching Corey Joseph. Yeah. yeah. But I think that familiarity will definitely help um, help the Pistons. Next free agent is Kent Bazemore. I think he's a, he's a solid wing player. Um, not the player he used to be, obviously. But I think uh, as a, he can, he's capable of playing defense, capable of hitting shots. I don't think he'll mind, he'll mind coming to the Pistons if he gets a decent contract. The next player is DJ Augustine. Now, this is a guy who I threw in here because DJ Augustine has been a solid uh, point guard throughout his career. Great veteran present, especially if the Pistons were able to draft a young point guard. You know, having a, uh, a veteran like DJ Augustine come in and kind of help mentor him, mentor him, I think would be a great idea. And finally, the last player is a wild card. But he's a restricted free agent, but I don't know if the team that he's currently with is going to match. And that's Bogdan Bogdanovich. Now, the uh, the Kings have a lot of guys who the, who who's going to be set to pay. They just paid a, a Buddy Heald. Harrison Barnes somehow keeps getting big Yo, contracts. Again, I was telling the honey, bro. Harrison Barnes' agent is a GOAT, man. Seriously. I, like, this guy keeps how. getting his dude big money contracts. I don't know how that keeps happening. But, yeah, so Buddy Heald and Harrison Barnes are definitely on the books with big money. Not to mention uh, you're going to have to eventually pay De'Aaron Fox. And then Marvin, Marvin Bagley. And then Marvin Bagley. So is there really going to be money or even, like, a rot, like... Uh, minutes for 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 Bogdanovich. Well, that's that's the thing right now, which is why Bogdanovich be, has been linked to a lot of other teams, because the rationale right now for Sacramento is that a you're not able to give Bogdan Bogdanovich enough playing time, enough touches, enough chances. Pretty much, you have De'Aaron Fox running the offense, which I mean, I would have, I would give the keys to De'Aaron Fox anyways over yeah. Bogdanovich. But then you also have like Buddy Heald. Obviously, the whole Buddy Heald versus Bogdanovich thing has been going on for the past like couple of years. Yeah. Um, and like Sacramento, bro, Sacramento already has a lot of money to commit to. So you know, Bogdanovich is not Bogdanovich. I don't think he's a very good player for them, but he's not the whole like the, he doesn't. Um, 
If he leaves, it doesn't create a hole well, in their yeah, team, it's I think. Exactly. It's not a priority for Sacramento to sign him. And especially, I think, if a team like Detroit throws a big contract offer at Bogdanovich, the Kings aren't really inclined to match. So I don't think it's a, it's a, it's, it's a bad idea for, for, for the Pistons to try and to try and go after a player like Bogdan Bogdanovich. Listen, if you're the Pistons, man, you kind of don't have a direction as it is. You're just trying to get some quality... Um, players injected into the lineup. So, and uh, listen, but if you want to talk about trying to rebuild, Bogdan Bogdanovich is a young player too. So, it's, uh, like, yeah, he's what 20, 20, he's under what 25 or whatever. Under 25, sure, definitely. Yeah. So, like, he's a young player too. So, it's not like you're deviating from the whole rebuilding path, mm-hmm. you're, you're still on your rebuilding path and adding a guy like Bogdanovich, who is a for sure, you know what he is. Um, at the very least, you you know he's a good starter, uh, rather than taking, for example, a chance on draft pick where you don't know what he's gonna become. At least you have that guarantee in Bogdanovich of what he actually is. Exactly. So overall, I mean, the Pistons don't have a ton of uh, a ton of direction right now, but there's a lot of ways that they can go. But I think the start is to kind of clear everything out and start acquiring the pieces that they that they want to build with going forward, which is something that they're going to have to. See come this off season. Yeah, so pretty much that was our off season outlook on the Detroit Pistons. Now moving on to another Eastern Conference team at the bottom of the standings and one that's kind of just as boring. If, yeah, like I mean, listen, man, bottom feeders can be interesting and they can be fun. Like, like Cleveland's not that. Yeah, Cleveland's not that man. Like Minnesota is a fun team, definitely. Uh, Golden State, well, Golden State is not even a trash team. They're just Atlanta's injured. Atlanta is a fun team. Detroit and Cleveland are not really fun teams to watch. Um, well, Detroit more so than Cleveland, honestly. Yeah, which is why they don't have great attendance. Well, Cleveland, I think, has decent attendance numbers, if I'm not mistaken. Detroit is the one that has really bad attendance numbers. Um, but, yeah, Cleveland Cavaliers, man, they're pretty much, I won't say it's all their fault. Because of the fact that they ha- they had to cater to what LeBron wanted, and rightfully so, because I'd take a championship over ten and and ten years of losing rather than not having a championship. And plus, you have the greatest player of his generation. So you know what? If you're gonna take ten years of being garbage for that, why not, man? I would do that ten times out of ten. Um, but yeah. So in terms of their notable notable team free agents this year. Um, they have Tristan Thompson coming off the books, which is why last uh, season or this past season we we're talking about trying to trade him um, as an expiring contract. Obviously, that didn't happen. He was rumored to go to a couple places. Um, I think the main one was Boston, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that was big. Yeah, was if, if, if we, yeah, we were scared that Tristan Thompson was actually going to end up in Boston. That would be a huge pickup for them. But obviously, that didn't happen mainly because of the size of his contract. But now you have that contract coming off your books. Um, pretty much one of your last remnants of the championship team. Um, and, you know, a, a good player for you in this since pretty much he was drafted. Um, you do have Andre Drummond uh, f- with this player option. Obviously, hey, Andre Drummond said that he would pick it up. So that's not really a free agent for you at this point. But, you know, he, he was... I mean, ideally, you would have him not pick it up, but he is going to pick it up. Uh, what was it, twenty-eight million? I think it was. Oh yeah, something about twenty-eight, twenty-eight. Uh yeah, twenty-eight point seventy-five million. So yeah, Andre Drummond picked up his player option. I mean, then you have a three more players who are going to be unrestricted free agents as well: Matthew Delvadova, uh, Ante Zizic, and Jordan Bell. I think, if I'm not mistaken, they said they would try to. They were going to re-sign Jordan Bell. Um, so take that for what you will, but yeah, Matthew Delvadova and is pretty much, um, unrestricted free agents. It, it's not particularly impressive free no, agent class, to be honest. I think on your drum, I mean, uh, Tristan Thompson is the only one that, yeah, that's the main guy, but, but yeah, at this point he's what, almost reaching his thirties. Um, so there's really no. Point of yeah. yeah, he he's almost at thirty years old. So plus, like, we can see like his physic, 
Like he's out of his physical prime, I think. Like, like no, nah, I wouldn't say that. This was his best season, if I'm being honest. Well, he looked good this year, but I think from he wasn't like what he used to be when he was a lot younger and was able to like move a little bit better. I think I think it's just he was on a trash team and he was maybe he he didn't feel like playing that great. Maybe I feel like if you put him on another contender, then he'll really show what why he's so valued yeah. around the league. I think the worst thing that could have happened to Cleveland was. Andre Drummond picking up that player option, which again, like we we all when he got traded, they were like, "Why would you make this move?" Like he's if he was on that's a still team, a head scratcher, like, and we, like I don't I don't understand what the point of that was. I guess the only rationale I can kind of gain from that is that if Tristan Thompson does leave, it opens up the the, the minutes for Andre Drummond. But either way, like what's the major difference between Andre Drummond and Tristan Thompson besides age? Like, Andre Drummond's three years younger. That's the only thing I can probably get out of that. Well, Tristan Thompson's a better defender. Andre yeah. Drummond, obviously, is a much better rebounder. But, again, Andre Drummond, but if you're a rebuild, player, yeah, right? if you're a rebuilding team, Andre Drummond isn't doing anything for you. Now, if you're a contender, yeah, sure, Andre Drummond would be great. But, um, you know, Andre Drummond is moving the needle for you if you're a, a, a rebuilding team. Uh, speaking of like what Cleveland needs to do this particular offseason, well, number one, ideally would be to find a way out of Kevin Love's contract. That's obviously probably never gonna happen. I'll say this though. So when Kevin Love signed this extension last season, we like, even like if you want to just jump back to the episode that we that when we covered that, we even went like, why? Like we understand it from the perspective of Kevin Love, like get, get secure the bag, yo. It's your last big contract. But why would Cleveland offer this deal? Like, why? He had one more... Like, Kevin Love would have been a free agent this summer. You could have looked, uh, probably traded him away and gotten some assets for him. Now you're stuck with him and no one's going to take his contract. Yeah, that was the main... We were very confused, as was everyone else. What Cleveland, I remember, said at the time, um, who who, who was their their general manager? Uh, Kobe Altman. Yeah, Kobe Altman. I think him, it was particularly, I'm pretty sure it was Dan Gilbert who was saying this, was, oh, we're going to be, uh, you know, trying to make the playoffs, do this in the playoffs, blah, blah, blah. We're still going to be trying, we're still trying to be a good team, which makes absolutely no sense. And you can see why people think Dan Gilbert is delusional, because if you looked at the 2018 playoffs, LeBron was playing every single minute of every single game and was carrying the team on his shoulders. Bro, and literally the team around him was garbage. Winners? He hit like LeBron had like three game winners or like two series. Bro, wasn't he literally playing forty eight minutes for like a couple games in the playoffs? He was, gassed, and the rest bro. of the games were play. He was playing like 46, 45. Dude, like he he played a lot. It was, he was ridiculous. Gassed. I think man, LeBron went out for like what, like a minute and came back, checked back in. Pretty much, dude. It was so bad that he would go out for like fifteen seconds, and then they would have to be like, "Yo, you gotta go back in because we just got outscored like six zero in these fifteen seconds, man." Literally, that's how bad it was, bro. Yeah. Um. But yeah, ideally, I think the main thing would be finding a way out of Kevin Lowe's contract. Not going to happen. Then after that, pretty much, you just need to address the rest of your roster. Um, besides your two point guards, and then obviously, uh, you have um, Kevin Porter Jr., which I like him as a player as it's well. But yeah, y- you do have pretty much your main players um, building from, you know, your backcourt. Um, I'm you not a fan, man. I mean, I'm not a fan of the backcourt, but they are nice. I, I will say they are nice young players, even though I don't think they'll be, you know, great all-stars or something like that. I just think, you know, they'll be a good backcourt. I'll say this, though. I think I would have been a lot, like, my opinion on them would be a lot better had they had a better, like, a better coach, I think, who caters to their style. Well, I will get into that a bit later, but, yeah, yeah I would agree with that. Um, I think, number one, you do need some more playmaking. Um, Kevin Love does help in that respect because he is a very good playmaker um, at the power forward position. Again, you do have your guards, but those two guys aren't, I wouldn't say natural, you know, eight assist guys, both of them. Um, Especially Colin Sexton. Sexton, He's more of a combo (laughs) guard. Um, But yeah, definitely, I think you need some playmaking, Especially, like, for example, a guy like what Gordon Hayward does for Boston. I think that would be an ideal thing. Now, if you can find that guy, who knows? Just not Gordon Hayward. Yeah, it's not going to be Gordon Hayward. Um, you need a lot more defense, uh, especially to help the backcourt. Um, 
on the wings. You need some. You definitely need some wing presence. Yeah. Um. You don't. You're running like they're running what Chetty Osman, um, at their small forward position. So they definitely need a lot of help on the wings. Um, and then just like some more, a lot more defense, especially at the wings, wing positions, uh, at the big men position, they don't have any good, uh, big men defenders. Obviously they're only good ones, pretty much Tristan Thompson, uh, and he's probably gone. So, you know, you're running Andre Drummond and Kevin lineup, uh, Kevin Love, which is not a good defensive lineup. Off the bench, Jordan Bell and Larry Nance. Yeah. That's, not That's not, listen. Larry Nance has a good motor, but he is undersized, and he's not really a great defender. So I mean, you do need a lot of help in those respects. Um, I think also some veteran presence uh, would definitely help because you know to try and help develop the the younger guys, Kevin Porter, the backcourt, and finally what you were alluding to before, um, the coaching staff. You need a more developmental staff. It was a huge mistake um, having. What was the dude's name from Michigan? Uh, Je- uh Jeff Jeff Beeline or Je- John Beeline? John Beeline. That's what his name was. Uh, it was a huge mistake having him there in the first place, which we again talked about in one of our previous episodes before, like last year. Um, it was a huge mistake signing him first of all. Um, uh, but then obviously the players like JB Bickerstaff, he's very well respected and well liked around the league. But in terms of being your head coach, especially for a team that wants to rebuild like Cleveland, I think you're going to need a more permanent answer well, uh, at that position. There's a reason why J.B. Bickerstaff hasn't necessarily been a successful head coach. Like, why hasn't he been bounced around a bunch of teams? It's because, yes, players like him, but he's just not the best not the best X's and O's guy. He's not the, like, the best coach. He's a good assistant coach. Like, he's, definitely Pretty, he's, assistant. he's definitely suited as an assistant coach. Yeah. You know, the guy that players like... You know, helps out players developmentally. But in terms of leading a team, especially a, a team that wants to go into rebuilding phase, yeah, yeah you definitely need a bigger, uh, better answer at that. Yeah. Um, in terms of the draft, Cleveland does have the projected second pick overall in this year's draft. Obviously, Knowing we'll their luck see. With draft lottery, they'll probably end yeah, up they'll probably pick. end up with the first pick, man. Uh, dun, dun, dun. Definitely not rigged. But no. yeah. Imagine the Warriors with the first pick. I mean, that might just happen. So, you know, we could be, again, we talked about before, but we could be talking about a Spurs situation with the Warriors, man. Imagine just seeing the Warriors in the finals for the next, like, 20 years, bro. That's, uh, that'll be great. I'm already sick of yellow, bro. <laughs> bro, imagine all these little kids, man. Oh, my oh God. Crazy, the go, crazy, the go. Yeah, no. Um... But yeah, they, uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers do have the projected second pick in this draft. Obviously, we talked about, you know, the top three guys. Um, what's interesting about this pick, it is top 10 protected. Um, so if it doesn't end up in the top 10, the pick does go to New Orleans. But, um, you know, considering how bad they were, they probably will be in the top 10, if not maybe the top three. Um, so as we talked about before, you know, the top three guys, uh, obviously Anthony Edwards, James Wiseman, um, Lamelo Ball, you probably won't draft Lamelo Ball, considering you you already have your backcourt. But um, Obi Toppin has also been linked to the Cavs. Uh, would definitely be a great fit for them. All of these guys, I think, would definitely be great fits for them. Um, you know, around Anthony your Edwards backcourt. Would be huge. Anthony Edwards. I mean, he is a two guard, but you know, you can play him. He got a big body. Yeah, you can, you can play, play him at the three. Uh, James Wiseman would be great considering you do need some defense, especially a big man defender like James Wiseman. And then Obi Toppin, you know, a, a scoring four yeah. um, who can definitely, you know, pick and roll, pick and pop with your backcourt would be uh, That would be great, interesting, though. That would be great for them, I think. Any of these guys, I think, would definitely be good for them, especially after, you know, Kevin Love and Andre Drummond are out the picture. Um, and then finally, in terms of, you know, free agent targets this year, Again, this free agency class is a bit... It is kind of underwhelming. It's, it's not trash. that great. It's it's really not that great. It's trash. Um, and also, Cleveland does not have that much money. Considering you're paying Kevin Love like 30 mil. You're paying Andre Drummond 30 mil this season. Um, and then soon, obviously, you're going to have to pay... Uh, Colin Sexton will be up for an extension soon. Um, well, after next year, I think. Yeah. Yeah. 
so you're gonna have to start paying some of these guys um so it, it, it you don't have much money as it is right now so it you know you can look for some of these mid-tier kind of players especially on the wings um some names i have here ken Bazemore. um i don't think he should come in at too much money considering like he did that before and he just proved that he was not that great of a player he's a good role player for sure but he's not a, i don't think a starter on on a contending team level you know i think he's a starter for a team like cleveland but definitely not a contender the question with Bazemore is that like you know uh will he want to come to cleveland Probably not. Also, Ken Bazemore is one of those players that, in theory, have always kind of been better than what they actually end up becoming when they play. I feel like with the Hawks, he he showcased what he could truly do, but I think that was the system that really benefited him more so than, you know, himself. Yeah. His individual talent. So, I think in the right situation, he could definitely work well. I mean, at this point for Cleveland, a quality player like him, no matter... If he's not as good as advertised, I think would still definitely help you. Um, Justin Holiday, a good wing player, a great shooter, um, like can be an okay defender from time to time. Yeah, yeah but Indiana would definitely, I think, try to re resign him. Like, I feel like Indiana's gonna try to keep him. Yeah, like, he's played really well. For he's he's played great for them. DeAndre Bembry, um, this, he's interesting. He's interesting. He's a young player. Um, again, I don't think he'll ever be, like, a starter-level player in the NBA, but maybe on a rebuilding team like Cleveland, he could fill that gap for you until maybe you draft someone, you know, for the future. Not to mention, like, he, like, he may not have minutes in Atlanta, so if he wants to decide to go to... I mean, he got a decent amount of minutes in Atlanta. But I think now that they're going to try to focus more on, like, the, the Cam Reddishes and, like... Yeah, uh, DeAndre, DeAndre Hunter. Hunter. Like, they have, they have players. And then Kevin Herter is there, too. Yeah. So they might, like, there might not be enough minutes, so... Um, yeah, and then finally you have the Morris Twins, which, I mean, they are ideally would fill that role for you in terms of wings that can play a bit of defense, score some points... But well, I, in real. terms of them going to Cleveland, I don't think that's gonna happen. Let's be real. If they end up, if they do end up going to Cleveland, it's just to get the contract and then, then dip, then rage <laughs> and then dip, the and then dip. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, so it's I mean, you know, Cleveland has a lot of holes on the roster, but again, they don't have the most money to play with. Um, so to be honest, they're kind of just gonna have to deal with it until the Kevin Love contract is up, Pretty which much. is gonna be a while. So I mean, it's another three more years after this one. Listen, bro. That's all on them. That, I, no, that's seriously all on them. That's man. all like, on them. A hundred twenty-four point, a hundred twenty point four million guaranteed. My God. Like you're paying this guy thirty million dollars for the next three seasons, and there's no option. There's no option. Yeah. On this contract, so it's it's a guarantee. Oh my God. Shout out Kevin Love's agent, bro. That guy's making some good money, man. He's he is, bro. But Kevin Love is miserable, so. Again, like, Loki, that's kind of on him, too. Because, like, bro, you signed that contract. But I can't blame him. So, it is what I it mean, is. I mean, I can, but what does that matter? I mean, he got his bag. It's just Maybe. like, bro, eh, I don't know. It's kind of your fault, too. You can't, like, really rage about it if you're the one who signed it, you know? Yeah. Uh, and with that, that basically concludes our offseason outlooks, man. Uh, pretty interesting, man. Like, there's a, some teams have, have have really really high hopes for this offseason. Other teams, like like the ones we just discussed, have a lot of questions. Listen, man. I think the one thing that revealed to me these offseason outlooks is that no matter how dim there is a path forward, I think for Definitely, every team, yeah. it's just how about about how, how they manage it, yeah, and approach it. Yeah. Um, and I think that's been the issue with a lot of these teams is that like when. Guys like us can low-key make better moves than them. Obviously, we don't have the pressure on us. And we don't have the necessarily, like, the, the in, intense knowledge of yeah. salary cap and, like... Exactly. And, and I think also we don't have, like, the owners, like, yelling in our ears that they pay us yeah. our paychecks and we got to do whatever the hell they want to do. Yeah. So, I mean... But the problem is when people on, like, Twitter can make better roster and team decisions... And these organizations, I think, is when they end up in spots like this. Yeah, I mean, again, we all know the value of good front offices, and I think the front, the great front offices, are the teams that are able to make those good decisions and able to, 
take a bad situation and turn it into a good one. So we'll see what happens with these teams, but let's let's not move on to the up and under segment for this week. And first off, are you up or under on Giannis Antetokounmpo saying that he lied about having no access to a basketball court? Um, I'm up on it, man. I think it's just funny. Um, he, he, he was saying that he lied about it to get ahead of the competition. I think that's just funny. Um, it's jokes. I think it, it shows his competitive spirit. Bro. But either way, like, bro, at this point, everyone has access to a hoop anyway. So it's like, Bro, did, eh. did we really expect him to not touch a ball for this long? Like, bro, this dude's like an MVP, man. So and did you see this man in the gym, yo? This yeah, exactly. Works, yo. Like, it doesn't really matter at this point because everyone has access to a hoop now. So, yeah. I mean, it is what it is. Yeah. Um, next up, are you up or under on number one, Aaron Baines uh, tested positive for COVID. Um, he expects to join the team pretty soon in Orlando. Um, but more importantly, uh, no players in the Orlando bubble have tested positive for Corona since July 13. I'm definitely up on both situations. Not the fact that obviously like Aaron Baines tested positive, but I think the fact that he's away from the team at this point in time. But I am extremely up on the fact that no players have tested positive in the bubble, which is which is great news considering the fact that the major concerns was that oh how are they gonna like contain the spread internally? But you gotta understand the players are at their safest right now, in my opinion. Yeah, least. exactly. Which is why I think it's great that it shows that this bubble has worked. It's a great sign for sports moving forward and other leagues, especially like the NFL, who's still trying to work out how they're going to do their their uh, their season. The problem with the NFL and we're seeing in the MLB, especially Toronto, just banned uh, the blue. The, Toronto didn't allow the Blue Jays to play in Toronto. Yeah, um, yeah. well, I think they just got uh, they declined got in Pittsburgh no, too. No, they got approved for Pittsburgh. No, they got. I, I a report just came out where Pittsburgh might decline them now too. Oh wow! Yeah. So the issue with this is that the NBA and NHL don't have as many players as the other two sports. That I think is the main issue, which is why the MLB can't do anything. Can't do something like have a bubble. Um, it's it's a lot of moving parts, a lot more than the NBA and the NHL have. Um, I think we're gonna see that with the NFL because. NFL teams literally have 53 active guys on the roster, plus your practice squad and all of that. So, I mean, it, it, we'll see what happens on that. But, I mean, more importantly, in terms of the NBA, I think it's it's a great sign to yeah. see that the bubble has worked. Yeah, it's working so far. Uh, moving on, are you up or under on Alex Caruso? Uh, he's he's going he's gonna to skip his sister's wedding to stay in the bubble. <laughs> Um, I mean, I'm up on that. Obviously, I think from his his sister's side, uh, I mean, his sister probably understands. But yo, this guy's a G, man. This guy at least yo, skipped his move. this guy this guy skipped his sister's wedding and was and was like, yo, LeBron, I got you, bro. I got you, LeBron, bro. Yo, LeBron was like, yo, you know what happens if you go to your sister's wedding? There's 29 other teams that will take take you next season, bro. That's what's gonna happen, man. Um. <laughs> But yeah, like, I mean, I respect it, bro. I, I gotta respect it, man. Alex Cruz was a G, bro. This guy bro, missed his sister's wedding to give the Lakers a chance at winning a ring, man. That's that's commitment, bro. Don't can't move. can't hit on it, man. Don't move, bro. Uh, next up, are you up or under on Kevin Garnett um, headlining uh, a group to try and buy the Timberwolves from Glenn Taylor? Um, current Minnesota Vikings owner Ziggy Wolf has also been in these talks as well as possibly joining KG's group or, you know, himself headlining a group to try and buy the Wolves from uh, Glenn Taylor. What's more important, though, I think uh, also has been that Glenn Taylor has stated, um, has always stated that he'll only accept a proposition if he uh, gets the commitment that the team will stay in Minnesota. So he's not going to talk to anybody else um, if they can't guarantee that they'll stay in Minnesota, which Kevin Garnett has... Uh, repeatedly stated that he he will if he buys the team, um, he will definitely stay in Minnesota. So I'm definitely up on this. Uh, Kevin Garnett has spoke f- about it for a long time that he wants to he wants to own the Minnesota Timberwolves. Like, and he's also spoke extensively about how he hates Glenn Taylor. <laughs> that that is true. Um, but I think Kevin Garnett really wants to put his stamp on the league, and I think Kevin Garnett has a lot of great ideas on what he wants to do. I think having a a player 
like uh, I think he'll be like one of the first players in recent in recent days to to own a team. Well, I mean, he will. If I'm, he, I, I don't think he'll own the majority, but, but he is headlining a group. But either way, at least he's gonna have say, and he'll be able to have some influence on what goes on in that team, which is something that he's always wanted to do. It's, even when he was playing, like he's always wanted to, you know, put together a good team in Minnesota, which is something that unfortunately as a player he didn't have the power to do. But I Minnesota's think- value, I think, last time I checked, was around one point two billion dollars. So. Yeah. I mean, yeah, obviously, KG doesn't have the money for that. Even though he is one of the richest players in NBA history, 1.2 is a lot. Uh, but putting together an ownership yeah. group. Is... I think the main thing is that having a guy like Kevin Garnett who truly values the city mm-hmm. and the team, yeah. uh, and especially, you know, has gone through it as a superstar player. The bad years. Yeah. I think that will definitely um, help out whoever does end up buying the Timberwolves um, if it does happen. Um, but I think for, for Minnesota fans, it's good because, you know, both people, every everyone involved has stated that they will keep the team in Minnesota. Yeah. Um, so I think that's obviously a plus from whichever angle you look at it for Minnesota fans. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a good, a, good, a, good, a good thing for Minnesota fans. Uh, moving on, are you up or under on Jermaine O'Neal and Tracy McGrady teaming up to form their own agency, like an agency, a player agency? So basically, uh, Jermaine O'Neal is looking into getting their own his own agent license, and Tracy McGrady is going to be an advisor. Yeah, so they're going to co-own it, um, and Jermaine O'Neal will actually become a player agent, whereas Team Max just more looking at the advisory role. But I mean, I'm up on it. Um, you know, two guys that were stars in the league who were good in, you know, the business sense as well, who know, you know, the logistics of the NBA, who have been around the NBA since they've retired. Um, you know, two guys that have gone through the league and obviously know the issues that come with player representation and agencies. Um, and, you know, hopefully they, they do a good job for themselves and do a good job representing, you know, their players. I'm always up on, you know, guys trying to, expand their own profiles and their their brands you let's know? hope they can compete with rich paul because i think at this point that's well rich paul beat. is like the godfather of like the that's nba the at beat, this man. point bro you gotta be but i think having like a yo lebron team. really does own the nba oh my god really <laughs> bro i think having at least jermaine O'Neal on team act is actually going to be you know a great incentive for young players to kind of you know gravitate two 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 real dudes who have also gone through the business aspect and who have been stars in the league. And we'll give you some good advice. Yeah. Um, and, you know, well, two, two reputable guys who won't, you know, scam you, hopefully. Um, next up, are you up or under on Marvin Bagley of the Sacramento Kings and Justice Winslow of the Memphis Grizzlies, both done for the season with separate injuries? I am... So once again, I want to preface this. We're not, we're not saying well, we up and under on the fact that the players got injured. Like obviously, it sucks that the player got, player got injured, but we're talking more so on the grand scheme of things for their team. So I'm obviously I'm under I'm under on it for Marvin Bagley. Sorry, I'm up on it for Marvin Bagley. I'm under on it for Justice Winslow, mainly be, for Marvin Bagley. I mean, the Kings, realistically speaking, they weren't going to make it to the playoffs. Plus, he's had a very injury riddled season, so I don't know in what shape he was going to come into anyways. So. The fact that he gets more opportunities to rest and recover, I think, is a better better idea for the longevity of his career. Justice Winslow, I think, is going to be a big one for Memphis, who's trying to, st- to keep their playoff hopes. So I think him going down is might might be a, might be a big loss for them. Well, the thing with Justice Winslow, um, first of all, he was injured the whole season, pretty much. So again, how in shape would he have been? We don't know. Um, I think the big thing is for Memphis, well, obviously, they got him for the future. He's still a young player. So they did get him for, you know, the future. So, you know, this season doesn't matter as much um, in terms of long-term outlook. But I think the thing with Justice Winslow is that they did trade Jay Crowder and also Solomon Hill, two valuable contributors. Well, mainly Jay Crowder was a valuable, valuable contributor to their success this past season. Um, and they traded them for Justice Winslow. Now, where will you replace that output that came from mainly Jay Crowder, also from Solomon Hill a bit? Uh, you know, 
we'll have to see. Obviously, Dylan Brooks is going to get more shots now. Um, DeAnthony Melton, who I think would probably step up into that role. I don't know if he's going to be starting, but he's probably the next, you know, guy for them. Uh, great defensive, you know, wing. So, I mean, it, it will be interesting to see what Memphis and Sacramento do now. Uh, but yeah, hopefully for these guys, it's just, you know, take this time off to rest up, recover more. Yeah. These two guys have both kind of been injury plagued in their young careers. So hopefully, you know, they can get over those. Yeah. Moving on. Are you up or under on Daniel Gafford saying that Jim Boylan is actually cool and he can get better as a person and a coach? Well, he he didn't say it like that. He said Jim Boylan's like, all right, he's not going to talk smack about Jim Boylan. But he said pretty much that he can get better as a person. And as a coach, and I'm up on that because it shows that his players really don't like him either. Um, I think the one thing that stands out to me um, for Daniel Gafford is, I don't know if you saw the clip or not, when Daniel Gafford went down with an ankle injury, and this guy was like on the ground in pain, and Jim Boylan wouldn't even call a timeout for this guy to get him onto the bench and get him out of the game. (laughs) That Rick Carlisle literally had to call a timeout. I think it was Rick Carlisle. Yeah. This guy literally had to call a timeout instead of Jim Boylan, bro. Take that in, man. Your your player is literally on the ground in pain, and you're like, nah, I'm not going to call a timeout. Screw, we'll go four on five, man, just because I don't want to call a timeout. Bro, like, yo, fire Jim Boylan, bro. Listen, man, Arturis Karnasovas is a smart guy. Obviously, I'm pretty sure he's, uh, Jim Boylan is going to be gone. But this guy, this guy, I'm, I'm surprised he's still on the... Well, if Payroll. hashtag FireGarPacks is, 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 not, is, no, is not the hashtag anymore because that, that's done, it's hashtag FireJimBoylan now. Yeah, for the Bulls definitely, man. This guy's got to go, bro. He's, hey, he's got to go, man. Literally him. all his players, none of his players he's like cancer, him. Like, he's nobody, nobody really likes him, to be honest. Uh, this guy, yeah, man. We, I mean, we've talked about Jimboylan enough. But yeah, like, this is just another instance of where his players talk about how they don't like him yeah um and finally are you up or under on the fact that carmelo anthony is expected to play the small forward spot um since obviously trevor reese is not going to be in the bubble and carmelo anthony has dubbed this nba restart as hashtag skinny mellow bro i'm up on this especially considering that zach collins is also going to be coming back and yusuf nurkic and yusuf nurkic is gonna be back so they definitely uh, could use a guy to play the slider in the small forward position to create the room, and I think Melo looks good, man. But he's he's a lot skinnier, man. He he showed up a lot leaner. Bro, he he looks good. Bro. Especially the fact that you know he won't have to you know bulk up to play those fours anymore. He can slide down to three. Now again, will it be a good move? At this point in his career, I think he's definitely more suited for the four. But to be honest, the Blazers don't really have much of a choice. Well, let's so. be real. I haven't actually seen Melo move yet. So once we see him move a little bit and see how he how he's how he's moving. Yeah, but that. in terms of the defense, we kind of know what to expect well, with the defense. We, we knew that wasn't going to be offensively. Yeah, offensively. I think also the fact that Melo is always a bigger small forward too. He could you know use his post game. Hopefully now um, he can go back to that a bit more. Obviously, he wasn't going to be posting up like bigger fours. Um, he was mainly spotting up. But now that he's playing the three, maybe he can, you know, go back into that post game a bit more, um, you know, and do what made him successful for over a decade. I will say this. I haven't seen Melo this skinny since his... Uh, well, I mean, he said he's... Days. No, he said he's never been the skinny since pretty much his early Denver days. New York, he yeah, wasn't probably, as skinny as yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. New York, he was still... New York, he was pretty big, you know? Um, but now, obviously, he, he needs to get a bit faster for the three spot. Uh, yeah, especially since how fast the game is now compared to, you know, even when he was in New York. Yeah, but he looks good, though. Let's see. Let's hashtag see skinny mellow, bro. Skinny mellow, bro. New, new hashtag. Let's get it. Uh, with that, that concludes this week's episode. We hope you guys enjoyed it. Definitely subscribe to the show and all the various podcasting platforms. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, basically wherever you can find a podcast. You can find us with the Up and Under Podcast. Also, share the show with some of your friends. If you guys, if you guys love balls, share the show. It will definitely help us out a lot. Um, also, follow us on social media, Twitter and Instagram at Upletter and Underpod. Facebook.com slash up and under podcast. Uh, if you want to see any updates about when we post episodes about the show or even like our reaction to news as they occur, so 
Definitely follow us there for all the latest updates. Also, check out our website, upandunderpodcast.com. It's our central hub for the show. Uh, if you guys want to read blog posts about every single episode, you can you can on the website. So definitely check it out if you haven't done so already. Uh, and finally, man, ball is back. Finally, bro. Ball. I was watching the scrimmages from today, uh, the Danru scrimmage, bro. Yeah, man. I'm just happy ball's back, bro. Ball Even though back. it was some very rough basketball, I will say. Uh, but, that you Denver know, it is, though. it is, yeah, the Denver lineup, bro. Anti-Rockets, bro. Anti-Rockets. Bro. Ball is back, yo. So, uh, I just got the notification, too. Like, Bobo was playing pretty good. The NBA just randomly, randomly drug tested him, bro. Yeah. Welcome to, welcome to the NBA, bro. <laughs> that's, that's how it goes. So, that concludes this week's episode. We'll see you all in the next one. Take it easy. Easy.